0: And welcome to episode 423 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Seth Aleph, and we have a big crew here this week. Uh, We have the the usual crew kicking things off with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How are you today, Richard? Good morning, Seth. Doing well. How are you doing? I am doing wonderful. We got some sweet news to talk about. We also got the Asian Avenger, probably better known as Krim. Good morning, Krim. How are you today? Morning, how's
1: everybody doing? I'm pretty excited because, I don't know, another week of magic, so always
0: (laughs) good to talk about it. Ah yes, we got plenty to talk about, and we even have a very special guest today to uh, to start off the podcast with us. And Joe Dyer, who does this week in Legacy Vintage One Hundred One on the website, we got some big Legacy news today with a BNR announcement. So Joe's been nice enough to join us for the start of the cast and uh, and talk a little bit about the Legacy BNR. So how are you today, uh, Joe? Good to good to have you joining us today.
2: Thank you guys for having me. I'm doing really good. It's it's a good week. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yes, for for legacy players, uh, I think I think some legacy players kind of got their wish. Something that's been talked about for a while, finally happening. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. We'll get into that in a minute. uh Overview. Gonna kick things off with uh, the B announcement today, which was mostly about legacy, and then we had a bunch of smaller topics to get to after that. Uh, Shadows of innistrad remastered coming to Arena. Arena adding the ability to favorite cards. Some Mark Rosewater comments about enchantments and Phyrexian cards. The return of Command vest A new modern deck, and then. Your fish mail question. So that's the plan for today. Before we get into it though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. And Card Conduit, they are the easiest way to sell your magic cards. So if you're tired of all the hassles that goes into buy listing your cards, card conduit lets you skip them. You don't gotta do all the typing and spend all the time and do all their work. With the curated service, you can send in as many cards as you want with buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to put in a little bit of effort on your you can use their Sorted service, where you list and sort your cards ahead of time and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which one you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed. And right now, you can even get another 10% off if you head over to CardConduit.com slash cardconduit Goldfish, Card Conduit. They're the easiest way to sell your Magic card. So thank you to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And let's talk some Magic. And let's kick things off with the big news of the day. Richard. Uh, we got a be our announcement today, impacting one format in specific. Uh, what actually changed on this BNR?
3: All right, surprise BNR, and maybe the presence of Joe will tell you what format it's in. <laughs> it's in Legacy, uh, Expressive Iteration, Band, White Plume Adventurer, Band.
0: So Joe, expressive you're you're. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm never gonna complain about that. That card's so busted. I that card can go away in every format as far as I'm concerned. it's, it's, I it's, it's only card. modern
3: legal now, right? Modern legal and, and vintage. I, I, I
0: don't know how. I don't know how. <laughs> and I, H- honest historic God, historic how. still, but historic, I don't I don't know if that counts. Lurus is still but... legal. So like, <laughs> you know, like Yeah. So wow. so this banning, it targeted really the the top two decks in the metagame, which is Is it Delver in the mono like initiative deck. joe you were telling me before the cast that you collect a lot of data on tournaments these Mm -hmm. decks were super prevalent in legacy right like just how popular were these decks and powerful were they in legacy to bring about this banning
2: uh so both of these decks have been just kind of since the mono white initiative deck kind of popped onto the scene when they first added those cards to magic online uh they have just both been kind of climbing and it's basically just been an arms race uh, between both blue red dolver and with the mono white initiative deck, and uh, so the, I do a lot of we do a lot of data collection on the challenges and stuff like that for Magic Online, and both of these decks were about close to twenty percent of the metagame each. Hmm. Uh, so this is you know both these decks are close to forty fifty percent of the metagame just in the challenges and like the showcase challenges and the qualifier events that we collect on, and this is just. This data that I'm talking about right now, this is just since the beginning of January wow. that both of these have been this prevalent. And not only that, they're both around 52 to 53% win rates, non-mirror win rates. Uh, so, so, yeah,
0: <laughs> go ahead. So, so these decks are taking up like almost half the meta, and they're winning at an above-average clip, uh, so that's why they've been targeted. So uh, I guess my next question is, what do these bannings mean for these decks? Let's start with Mono White Initiative. They lose their key three drop, White Plume Adventure, their yeah. their fastest initiative card. Does this mean that Mono White Initiative is just no longer a deck in Legacy, or do people, like, rebuild somehow? What do you think about the future of Initiative and Legacy with this banning?
2: I think there's, a, there's always going to be some sort of, like, a white Stompy deck. It just it isn't as fast or as good. They keep adding all these various three mana value white hate bear creatures like Archon of Emeria and like Elite Spellbinder and those kind of cards, Anointed Peacekeeper. Uh, so there's always going to be a deck probably based around those cards. It's just that White Plume Adventurer really sped the deck up like a ton, uh, simply because initiative as by itself uh, lets you ramp to your, your four drop, you know, seasoned Dungeoneer really quickly by having that uh, land that you get off of the first dungeon room. Right, Uh, but then also like just that that curve of having this three mana threat that suddenly grows into a five five the next turn, and then you're hit for five off of the trap room, and suddenly you're just you're almost dead by turn three, and so that's that that doesn't even mean you know whatever they play on turn two, so slowing that deck down a ton is pretty good. There's probably still room for a white red version. Uh, simply okay. because uh, having eight initiative enablers in a deck is pretty good still. And having both of those be seasoned engineer and caves of chaos adventurer could still be a thing. Um, but as far as like the straight mono white, I don't think it's as good as it was. And it kind of drops off a little bit. Uh, there's still room for red prison, uh, which is the, the red stompy deck to kind of move into that space a little bit as well, because they play a lot of strong three drops blood moon yes. goblin rebel master that sort I, of thing uh I'm and, cool with that and <laughs> then they blood also Moons always works yeah and then they're also playing caves of chaos adventurer so like you're still going to see the mechanic around and if we ever get the rest of more cards from commander legends battle for Baldur's gate on magic online we're still missing uh three cards out of that whole cycle uh, so we're still missing Ooh, right. uh, like um, Ravenloft Avenger, which is the black one, and Undermountain Adventurer, which is the green one. And Ravenloft Adventurer, I, I was at an event this weekend, and uh, one of the uh, decks in the top eight was the uh, black Sheoldred, uh, Douthy Voidwalker, Helm of Obedience deck.
0: Uh, mm-hmm.
2: That's a stompy deck, and they were playing two copies of Ravenloft Avenger. Uh, so having that in that kind of fast mana shell, even though it's a four mana spell, Pretty good. So I I think we're still going to see the mechanic around. It's just not going to be as prevalent as it was before this.
0: So one of the things Wizards mentioned in the BNR was basically uh, kind of what you said, that these two decks were pretty far ahead of the rest of the meta. So they felt like they needed to ban something from both Initiative and also the Is it Delver deck. We talked about Initiative what about Delver? It's probably unrealistic to think Delver is going to be bad in Legacy. I, I don't think yeah, it's ever yeah. really been, like, not a deck, and that's probably not going to happen. Is Delver still the best deck in the format, or among the best decks in the format, even without I, expressive iteration?
2: I think so, yeah. I think it's still very good. Uh, there's, But the nice thing about that this is, is that we get to uh, bring back some of the decks that were traditionally have good uh either even to favorable delver matchups uh one of the decks that was the problem with the 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 initiative and delver metagame was that you could build a deck that was reasonably good against delver but you probably weren't so good against initiative or you could build a deck that was really good against initiative but you maybe had a poor to even delver matchup based on player skill uh and and there's a reason why some of the decks we saw during the course of this metagame that evolved into the metagame, such as uh, Red Painter, uh, at Breakfast, uh, decks like that, that grew as part of the metagame because they had reasonably good matchups versus these two decks. At least one of them enough, plus also good matchups against the spread of decks. But there are decks like Green White Depths and Lands and stuff like that that had very poor, very poor initiative matchups. Uh, those decks just, just did not win against that deck. Uh, because when you are playing a deck that has four sorts of flaw plus four solitude.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. Plus the 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 clock that is the initiative. Uh, and those decks don't take the initiative back that well. Uh, that's kind of right. one of the big issues. Uh, so, yeah, those decks kind of get to come back a little bit. So that might be a little bit of a check on Delver. But Murktide Region still exists. Uh, I know some people have talked about, well, what if we just pair Dragon's Race Channeler with uh, Mistress Bobble and Predict? And I'm like, I'm actually okay with that? I, I am actually okay with that one, because I when I look at that engine, I see that as, okay, well, that hinges solely on one card existing on the battlefield, and that's Dragon's Race Channeler. You remove yeah. the Dragon's Race Channeler and Predict is kind of not a good card. So uh, that kind of is way better than playing uh, expressive iteration, you know, because iteration was just absolutely insane. Uh, I think a lot of people realize by now with the ban, and I think it was at Pioneer that they banned it in. uh, And yeah, that card, the card quality that card presents uh, is so good. Like, it's just they it got to the point where at the end here, Delver was playing. Uh, you know, four volcanic islands and a steam vents, and then they were playing Mystic Sanctuary for the entire purpose of <laughs> being able to recur back Expressive Iteration off Mystic e- Sanctuary, y- just so they could keep casting because a late game Expressive Iteration could easily turn the game around. Yeah, yeah So
0: much, so much selection. Being able to find exactly what you need on Ruby. right. Yeah, very, very strong. Yeah. So,
2: so, but I, I do think, I do think there's going to be some interesting ch- shifts. Um, I think Reanimator has a chance to kind of shift a little bit more because they just got a brand new card because uh, they just got Atraxa Grand Unifier. Mm-hmm. And so we're starting to see different builds of Reanimator show up, going back to blue black builds of Reanimator showing up because you can play multiple copies of Atraxa because it pitches to Forcewell and Grief and all these other cards. So there's options. Uh, I think it lets the format breathe a little bit.
0: Uh, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of complaints from legacy players uh, just being at like uh, Magic Cons and so forth. Like, it seems like everyone was unhappy with where the format was. So hopefully this is a, a big positive change. And it seems like from what you're saying, it, it should be. It should give the format that breathing yeah. room. There's going to be new stuff to explore. It's not going to be just two decks anymore. Uh, Kramer Richard, before we let Joe go off and, uh, and do some writing about the bannings for his article, it should be going tomorrow on the website. Any any questions uh, for Joe? I, we got him here. Yeah, I got a question for you, Joe.
3: How do you feel the online metagame differs from the general paper metagame? So there's uh, some big... I, sh- I know the, the <laughs> yeah. data is all Magic Online. I know the data you're tracking is Magic Online. I feel that every Magic Online player has an it deck, whether it be yeah. Modern or Legacy. <laughs> like, they're just tied to this it deck, no matter, like, how bad it is. It can have a 30% win rate. They'll still play it uh, because they love Delver-ish decks, even though there's no Delver in Modern. Um like, is there a big difference? Is this skewed? Like you mentioned, kind of the Baldur's Gate cards missing from Moto. Yeah. Like, are, are are we very skewed between paper and online, or are they like generally like close enough?
2: Uh, it, so I, I went. I was at a competitive event this weekend, uh, and it was pretty close to a, a Magic Online event in terms of like general meta gaming. However, there is a bit of a skew, and the only major skew right now is the fact that we are missing some actual major cards on there and that's stuff from the the Warhammer forty thousand decks. Oh yeah. That's right. uh, yeah. There are cards in there like Chaos Defiler is very playable in uh the Painter shells. Uh there's cards like moloch is very good in like the Green Sun Zenith shells. Uh Triumph of Saint Catherine uh making uh blue white miracles, just straight blue white miracles a legitimate possible thing again. So there are a number of cards in those decks. Uh I do know that those are coming. Uh, at some point like they're they're working on it. Uh and then of course like infinity is also kind of like a thing. The Eternal Legal cards from Infinity. It's weird to talk about it in that regards, But are we comet talking about like Cosmo? Cos- <laughs> Co- not comet, not comet, but cards like um Paradise Lost. Uh Paradise Lost is shown up quite a bit in paper list for like uh, uh Ad nauseum Tendrils storm decks. Uh because it's Ma- like a green well- past in flames.
0: Mind Goblin. That one one was all (laughs) over the place.
2: Uh, Shout out to Peter Vanderham's uh, Esper Stellar Funland uh, Attractions deck. Uh, Yeah, that was... A plus, like just absolutely, like four copies of Deadbeat Attendant, like just absolutely loving it, every bit of it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I definitely definitely appreciate, it. but yeah, there are some cards from there. Like, there's a big in for like the infect, but I think the biggest one is a, is Paradise Lost, having that for like the storm decks. Uh, I don't know if it makes them better, but it, it's definitely a really good card. Like, it's like six thousand times better than like passing and Flames. Like, it's just absolutely absurd. Passing Flames is like, oh, I get back to cast some spells from my graveyard. Paradise Lost says, you get back, like, 12 cards from your graveyard to your hand. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, that there is that. And then there's still some older Commander stuff. Like, we're still missing parts of the Commander Legends set that they keep adding. Every every set release, they keep adding more and more. Like I said, we're missing the rest of the Adventurer cycle. Uh, we're missing cards like Sailor's Bane, which is kind of like a Delvery kind of threat. Uh, we're missing cards like, um, was that uh, Abdul-Adrian Gorion's Ward, which is basically like the White World gorger Dragon card. <laughs> so yep. uh, that, that card's missing, and that card's really good. So yeah, there's just tons of stuff that's still kind of missing. So there is some skew, but I think the Warhammer decks is like the biggest skew. And I think once we get those onto Magic Online, uh, I think that'll be like a big you know, push, that'll help things a little bit more for, like, bringing the paper and the online metagame. The other thing you have to think about, too, is that paper metagames tend to shift a little slower, especially in local events. Uh, Local events, they tend to shift, especially if they're um, sanctioned events uh, due to card availability, you know, card prices, that sort of thing, you know, reserve list being what it is, you know, the person that has their, like Richard said, that person that has their their blue-red Delver deck You know, or whatever it looks like, you know, they're just going to add new cards to it every so often, Uh, but that's going to be what they're going to play because they own Volcanics. And they can't yep. switch to playing like Doomsday or <laughs> an ancient tomb deck or
0: hilariously, paper Legacy is essentially the same as Magic Arena. <laughs> like when you talk about <laughs> people can't yeah. switch decks, yeah. The yeah, reserve just... lists and Arena are roughly the same. actually. Yeah. yeah. So you
2: just don't switch there too often. But uh, and Magic Online is a little bit better at that because uh, of the rental services allowing people to switch on the fly and people try things a little bit more. I find on Magic Online, you get these. Uh, really, these high class like legacy players like uh, Matthew Vuk, uh, and stuff like that, who are trying very, very, very strongly to upset the meta game in any way they can, and they're dipping into really niche cards to do so. Uh, so, but I, I do think with Phyrexia, I think we got a lot of new cards, and I think that'll help. I, I think just the, getting new cards in general is very good for the format, and I think we'll see more uh stuff come up. I'm sure. I'm sure Mercurial Spell Dancer, honestly, we'll see quite a bit of play now that we have this weird area where delver can be ex- uh, explored again yeah I, I I i've seen Mangu- Manguchi. yeah yeah be
0: very high on that card in legacy it, it's honestly
2: really cool i've i've gotten to watch it uh see play a few times uh i've been like really super high on atraxa i think atraxa is like just like one of the best uh new giant fatty creatures in existence uh, that card just—I—I I got absolutely slaughtered by that card on <laughs> on Saturday. I was playing against Reanimator, and they put one of those into play, and they drew seven cards off of it.
0: Yeah, and I, I
1: love. <laughs> That attracts as uh, was initially written off as a oh that's a commander thing oh yeah no <laughs> and now and now okay, it's that's, uh, that's the secret code to look very
3: carefully in legacy <laughs> yeah. vintage yeah that's a commander yeah. card? that's an infinity
2: card hold on yeah. they, <laughs> Hold on. they they I, I had lethal painter combo staring them down in the face and they out of the seven cards they drew was uh, a faithless looting a reanimation spell a lotus puddle a dark ritual and a sarah's emissary. Cool. and, I, and yep. I just lost on the spot they just they reanimated a the Sierra's emissary and named artifact and I did not draw anything else so yeah it, it looked really good and I was just like okay yeah this card's absolutely absurd like and, and the fact that it it's it's not just the fact that it's like good in like a reanimator type shell but like it's good to put in with like show and tell uh it's green so you can natural order for it uh wow. it pitches to every relevant force in the game that's playable like force force of Uh, will negation vigor uh pitches to solitude pitches to grief (laughs) (laughs) pitches to endurance like that kind of floor of a card is just you can't absolutely ignore it it's it's so good yeah so i I think that's gonna be good and i've also seen um cards like uh vindictive flamestoker and um the mycosynth gardens uh showing up quite a bit because uh there's a guy that plays uh the riddlesmith uh containment construct deck and he's been playing vindictive flamestoker and mycosynth gardens so, oh, sweet. yeah, so Phyrexia gave us some toys, and I think that really helps this banning by, okay, now we got this banning, now people can go play with these new toys and start figuring yeah. out some of these new cards.
0: Well, it sounds like a, a super exciting time for the Legacy format. So, Joe, uh, we're going to let you go. You can go work on your article. But before you do, uh so on Tuesdays, you have This Week in Legacy. Thursdays, you have Vintage 101 uh, on the MTD Goldfish website. Is there any place else people should be looking for you on the Internet if they want to want to keep up on all your eternal wisdom?
2: Yeah, you can uh, find me on Twitter at VolrathXP. XP. Uh, that's that's basically where I tend to post things.
0: Awesome. Well, Joe, thanks so much for joining us and in, uh, in breaking this down for us. And uh, yeah, uh, check out Joe's article tomorrow on the website where I'm sure he'll be talking even more about the banning. So, yep. just, Uh thanks a lot, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for being here. All right, so uh, that is that is the World of Legacy. We got a bunch of other topics to get to today. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Magic Arena. We got a couple of things happening on Arena. Krim, we got one thing I'm super hyped about that we've been asking for literally for years. Uh, they finally added the ability to favorite cards in basic lands. What do you what do you think about this feature, Krim? How big of a deal is this for Arena?
1: Uh, you know... It was a, a kind of annoying that every time I would make a new deck, I would have to essentially dig through all my lands. I don't know why they haven't allowed that yet with like planeswalkers. Like example, I have like special Arts of like the Wandering Emperor, but they keep putting the base mo- uh, like artwork in there. So it's cool. It's a nice little like quality of life kind of improvement, uh, and I, I hope that they allow you to continue to do that with like just pretty much any card. Which I know gets a little difficult because, you know, there's a lot of cards in Magic. So, but yeah, overall, I mean, it's a fun thing. I don't know. It's not like, oh my God, this has (laughs) made me spend (laughs) less money on Arena. But
0: like, it
1: is one of those things where it's just nice, right? Like to have.
0: I think it's like, for me, it is a little push towards like buying card styles, buying like special basic lands. Because I know there were a couple of times where there were like cool basics for sale and I almost bought them but then I was like well there's no I'm gonna scroll through 20 pages of basics to find these every time I build a deck so what's the point it's just like a waste of money so I think it does help a little bit there I definitely agree that more of this would be good like being able to choose card styles for your planeswalkers and so forth would be would be super super helpful the other bit of arena news uh we had alchemy come out whatever Uh, no one really cares about that anymore but (laughs) But we do have Shadows over Innistrad Remastered coming out uh, in a couple of weeks. We got some early spoilers for it, and... I was curious, uh, how big of an impact do you think this set is actually going to have? Like, assuming we get all the big hitters from this set uh, and nothing, you know, is intentionally left out. Is this going to be a shakeup for formats like Explore, for formats like uh, Historic? We've already seen uh Aid aid confirmed. We've seen Thing in the Ice. We've seen Relentless Dead. And then there's a bunch of other, like... Uh, Nahiri is going to be in the set Anguish Unmaking. It's a pretty good card. Westville Abbey, Bedlam Reveler, Collective Brutality, Emrakul, Little Emrakul uh, is on the Elder Deep Fiend. What do you think, Grim? Is this going to be impactful for those uh, quote unquote eternal formats on Arena?
1: Um, I mean, yeah. Like, obviously, Thing in the Ice is going to be one of the big ones. That's a thing that I've been like really looking forward to playing with, mostly just because of the blue-black tempo decks, the blue-red decks uh things like that are going to really enjoy that card otherwise is there anything else that gets played that wants anything from this set i mean Sp- i know i've i've seen hidden Spirits. strings play Yes, yeah, spirits is nice for, for probably
0: for uh more explore, I would think, than historic. But there's been like sure, spell yeah. queller, selfless spirit decks that have made it in pioneer with collected companies. So maybe we get to see like, yes, we have mono blue spirits or whatever the like curious obsession deck, but maybe we actually see some like bigger Coco style spirits decks now. So that one kind of sticks out. And I know there's been. I don't know how legit this is, but there's been some hammer time hype thanks to some new Phyrexia cards. There's like the new One Up, right. there's a new Kemba. Right. Now that we have Sigarda's Aid, I don't know if that'll develop into like a legit deck, but I think something like uh, Pioneer or Explore Hammer Time becomes much more realistic with Sigarda's Aid. That's like the most important card to Colossus Hammer decks. I I am dreading it, but I I think we
1: are getting closer to hidden strings, right? So we'll now have pour yep. over the pages. Uh, Pieces of the and, puzzle shows up in that deck sometimes. Right, right. So we're getting closer to that, even though that is a miserable deck as well. However, uh, I, I think that's, that's okay. Why would we go back to Bant Spirits? I guess is the question, right? Cause if you're a Spirits player, I think Mono Blue is just strictly better, right? I mean, I do like, or maybe, maybe Blue White Splashing Spellqueller. Really is really nice. Right. Like that's a good one because of Supreme Verdict. Uh, so that, that'll be pretty good. But then again, it's like, do any of these cards
0: matter if there's a bunch of mono green decks? <laughs> I, think, <laughs> like, I think right now in, in Pioneer, Azuria Spirits is, like, actually semi-popular. It's basically the mono blue deck, but you get Spell Queller, you get Skyclave Apparition, and you get Selfless Spirit. So maybe... But you still have to, like, put a curious obsession on my thing and counter all your stuff sort of, like, play style. So maybe, like, at least stuff like that will be possible. Thing in the least yeah. is kind of a funny one because... Yes, that's a big missing piece of like the Arclate Phoenix decks, but still no Delve guards, like still no Treasure Crews, still no Diction yeah. Time. And I think those are like the biggest missing pieces for something like, uh, in Is It Phoenix style deck in Pioneer? And those at this point, we still don't have those coming to Arena.
1: Yeah, that that's gonna be the one of the bigger things for Phoenix decks. But the nice thing here is there is the Demir decks, the the tempo decks, the Demir mid rangey decks, if you would. Uh, those play like the full four as well, um, and those that that deck is probably something that now is complete, right? Because that I think that was the only okay outside of Dig Through Time. I I think those yeah. are just complete, right? Uh so and, and there's. I mean, there's no replacement dig through time, but there's things that you can kind of scrape by. Definitely a few <laughs> tiers below, but still scrape by instead of having dig. So those demir decks are are pretty sweet um,
0: otherwise. What do you think, Richard? Does anything stand out on the list of possible inclusions from Shadows over Innistrad? I look at these lists of cards
3: and I'm like... These are such boomer cards.
0: <laughs> it wasn't even that I'm like, yeah. long
3: ago. I'm like a Grim Flare? Like I'm like, huh. I mean, this is like stone unplayable in 2023, huh? We, I guess we're just you, looking for combo pieces in this set here. Like, what can we combo with? Because, like. You mean Mythic Rare
1: Grim Flare isn't good this year?
3: Like, oh. I'm. I oh I, I used to play this in Modern, but guys. I'm like, oh. oh man. I'm god. Like, oh, look at look <laughs> at this. It's just so fair and underwhelming. It feels so, so old. I, I don't know, man. <laughs> Were well, you doing uh what is it? Li- li-
1: lingering Spirits or what? God, lingering, souls, what lingering, yeah, souls. lingering Souls. <laughs> the lingering souls. Yeah, man. yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> that is some good. It, it was <laughs> actually a yeah.
3: real So there was a time in Modern <laughs> where you yeah. went Abzan. To like grind Ooh. out everyone else with your lingering souls tokens, okay, Crim? That was a real yeah, I strategy. Know. Yeah.
1: I know. Yeah, and I know. mean, was... you
0: you siege <laughs> yeah. Rhino them to top it off. Oh baby, <laughs> yeah. You can you can pitch lingering souls to your Liliana. The tokens yeah. soak up your opponent's Ooh. Liliana's edict. It was, it was like so good. Actually, the big question I have for you guys about this set, though, uh, Emrakul the Promised then theoretically, should be one of the chase cards in this set. As far as I'm aware. There's no cards on Arena that let you control your opponent's turn. Do you think they will add Emrakul to Arena? And do you think Arena will be able to handle you playing with your opponent's cards as you control their turn? Because I was, it's pretty clunky on Moto. It seems like it's going to, like, how are they going to do it on Arena? Like, do you think there's any chance they leave Emrakul out just because they don't feel like programming a Mindslaver effect? Well, that was going to lead to the next question, right?
1: Because you still had, from what Cat remastered, there are cards that were omitted from that, right? Like Frank Sanity, things like yep. that. Yeah. Yep. So, so that obviously, as mill guy, I de- that was one of the things I wanted to play with. But so, but now I'm wondering what happens in this set. What's the card that's randomly going to get left out? And as sad as it sounds. Is Emrakul one of them? No way, right? Like, that's the, <sighs> the Shadows of Rainer red card. Shred card yeah. right? It is, like, yeah. There's no way. Although, I have to imagine there's something that's going to just get, uh, like, like left out, I don't know, Voldaren Pariah or something like that, uh, that, that we just aren't thinking of. Because I'm curious, what card is getting left out from this, if there is one?
0: Well, you know, there'll be some because they're taking two sets and mashing it down into one set. So just like right. by the numbers game, some stuff's going to get left out. Hopefully it's like random bulk rares that no one cares about and no one actually remembers. But we saw with Frank Sanity, <laughs> like that's an actual card that people want to play with. I think Frank Sanity they left out because they printed Burvac like almost at the same time. It came out oh. right alongside that jumpstart. So I think they didn't want people like whatever to cannibalize the jumpstart with Frank Sanity. But oh, what do you think, Richard? Are we going to get? We got to get Emrakul, right? You must. you must. We must. It would be such an like. epic fail. Like here's yeah, like the, the
3: literal, the box, the the like the booster box has Emrakul on it, right? Like that's right, the chase right. card. If you, for whatever reason. Although it was banned. Cannot was make Emrakul. Like don't release the set. Like remaster some others. <laughs> like why would you remaster the set? Everyone's like, yeah, Emrakul, right? So I don't no. know. It, it's weird. Yeah. Um, Maybe they they sneak it in. They like they, they say it's added, but then they like just ban it instantly, so you can't play with it. <laughs> like oh, it's unfun <laughs> because the client doesn't work. But we won't tell you that. Uh, but they, I, I I have faith. They I I think you will switch perspective to your opponent, so you'll just play as if it's your deck. Oh it will oh, that would be sweet. Back. Oh,
0: that would that would be actually way smoother than how they do it on Magic Online. Yeah, that sounds
3: complicated though. So I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> They'll be able to pull it off given that they can't just add random cards, but they they must. If they cannot, this is a colossal failure, right? That means like two sets from now, there'll be new MTG mechanics that Arena won't support
0: if they can't even support like handling someone's turn. And sooner or later, they're going to want to put... Mindslaver or whatever on there, like yep. there's going to be other cards. So it's, I guess it's worth getting it out of the way so they can actually have the effect on arena. So, but that's coming there's... out in two weeks. I think the 20, 23rd, I want to say is the release date. Uh, what were you going to say? Krem? Oh, well, I was going to say, yeah, like the, like the, there's still a few other cards that I'm
1: worried about whether or not they get added. I think mm. Emrakul is too big to not like, like not include. Right. So yeah. we, I, I get that. And, and we'll obviously get Liliana Last Hope, right? That, that's what I'm hoping yep. for. But I'm wondering, because this hoping is something. For.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I am
1: hoping, though, that legitimately we get Gaia Reach Sanitarium
0: and Summary Dismissal. Oh, are you gonna These, build Narset Lock Krim? You're yes. you gonna build the Narset Lock yes, deck. So when, I know you. 100% oh. I'm gonna build the Narset <laughs> Lock
1: deck. Are you kidding me? Why would I not? So <laughs> So yeah, like I I hope we get that. And summary dismissal is one of those things where you're you forget about it, but it is something that's still used as a miser, uh a one of, maybe two of out of sideboards. And and maybe it's because of my my deep love for a game waffle tapa's deck lists uh, but but like I, I you know he gets it he just gets it so like i i i think that that's a card that i hope they include cuz i i'm so worried i it feels like the cards that i'm
0: excited to play with I might get omitted from from this stuff I mean, if you got to choose cards to omit, ones that Krim likes playing with
1: would probably please the most,
0: the most Magic Arena players. If you really you think about it, look, so. you can't
1: rule zero me in in sixty card formats. All right, I, I, that's if I like that's I true. showed up to a modern or a PTQ and I said, oh, what is your what turn does your deck win by? Ooh, yeah.
0: can I can I rule zero your Ragabonds out? Like, how many free <laughs> counters do you have? Yeah, yeah. yeah Let me. Mm, I wanna. Mm, <laughs> Can you take don't. out that force of negation, please? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you don't hit me for a turn, I promise I will not counter your next spell. <laughs> uh, all right. Other news. Uh, Mark Rosewater, always asking interesting questions on their blog. Number one, there's two from uh, Mero this week. First, uh, there's been a lot of angst about Phyrexian language cards in boosters. This came up on... Uh, <laughs> on the pro tour a little while ago with a with a pretty epic punt because Reed duke couldn't actually read phyrexian i don't i think if you're a magic pro that's part of your job right shouldn't you just learn phyrexian so you can know what your oh, cards yeah. do we um but but i think mark rosewater said that he thinks it's a mistake perhaps that they put phyrexian language cards into draft boosters what do you think? Should they leave out these really hyped, like, cool printings from draft boosters for the sake of limited, where players may or may not be able to read, uh, read them and just leave them in collector boosters or whatever? Then you have the downside, though, that, like, if you're buying the traditional cheapest packs, you're not going to have an option or the possibility of opening a Fraxian Alish or something that's really exciting. What do you think of that trade off? What would you do, Richard? Do you control Watsy Fraxian cards and draft boosters or no?
3: no <laughs> it, that is no. so ridiculous <laughs> um so we, we have foreign language cards right uh for example you know there's korean cards or japanese cards however up until recently you opt into those right if like you don't speak korean you don't need to buy korean cards you would buy an english booster box and you would get english cards and you can be guaranteed to read all your cards now they started randomly adding like Japanese Mystic Archives, <laughs> like Phyrexian language cards and things. You can't opt out of that. Like you open the card, you can't read it, you can't play with it. It's very difficult, right? And so the the existence of these cards is fine, but the fact that you can't even opt out of it when you're buying a product uh, is weird. Uh, draft boosters is supposed to be the cheapest thing to buy. I, I don't know, right? Like there, there should be some base product. Where everything is readable mm-hmm. and of the lowest price, so that if you just want cards to play with them, you're good to go. And if you want fancy versions, you have uh, collector boosters. Set boosters are supposed to be the non draft version, so I'd argue that set boosters shouldn't have these special versions either. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. But even if you wanted to add special versions to these things, you need to get unreadable cards out of it. Like why Phyrexian language cards, right? Like get them out of it. Fun story. I was opening my set booster box from um Phyrexia Alls One. I pulled the Phyrexian planes. My wife is like, What's that card? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, wow. I'm like, this is this is the problem, right? Like she knows magic. <laughs> she knows what the white man is, what the art is like too distracting. <laughs> and she's like, What's this language? And like, what the heck is this thing? She thought it was a like art card or something. Right. And I'm like. Like how can you how can you do this, right? So Yeah. I I think Vorexian is cool, but they should be like secret layers or like something
0: special that you buy and not into your base products. And you don't need to anymore because we have draft boosters and set boosters yeah. and collector boosters and seeker layer drops like they can print all the cool things and not have it be an issue with people opening draft boosters or drafting them. Like, I think if we're going to make something called draft boosters, you might as well focus on making sure they're as good as possible for limited because that's what they're designed for. And part of someone being able to don't have a draft is being able to actually read their cards and know what they do. So uh, I would definitely lean on that side, too. Uh, what do you think, Grim? I mean, uh, I don't. I don't play limited, right? Uh, so is it because so, you can't like,
3: read the cards?
0: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Is <laughs> that the issue? Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't play limited. I couldn't read the cards to begin with. So for me, Phyrexian is just whatever, right? Like, oh, cool, more things, more cards. I won't read. So this is great. <laughs> I I get it though. I understand like why you wouldn't want that because like you know if I, example uh, like you know how like a new player. They go and get into the game. They open this, and it's like, oh, what what does this card do? So that that's the only if it's from a draft booster, yeah. Set bo- like set boosters; those are meant to be like kind of like oh, cooler cards to get open, variant artworks and things like that. So I I I don't know. I guess keep keep the
3: Phyrexian stuff out of like drafts. You know. You know what's terrible? Even if you have a phone, you can't even search it what are you searching you can't read it to look are you it yeah yeah <laughs> right you're like does <laughs> this card do? <laughs> mm-hmm. right like that that's like how bad it is right you need to have a friend that can recognize the art or you need to like google image search the art or something right like you can't there's nothing to google there's not even like letters you can
0: type right so yeah it's it's weird So question number two for Mark Rosewater in this one, we don't know Mark Rosewater's opinion on. He just posted this. It's just a just a poll on his blog. And the question is, should enchantments have their own frame? And the options are yes. Yes, but only when we're in an enchantment set of uh, essentially or no. Do do
3: frames what, even like what does this mean?
0: <laughs> well, artifacts. So you, have you mean like
3: the frame. the bestow creatures or whatever have like that? Like, weird yeah,
0: legendaries sword. have like their weird frame. Bestow creatures have their own frame. Artifacts Planeswalkers I don't think artifacts do currently. The, okay, right? Planeswalkers do. I don't think artifacts do anymore.
1: Wait, then what, what? Well, I I guess I don't know. I guess maybe it's not their own frame, but it's like their own. Like Colors. you could tell what's an artifact, right? Like it just can looks you? like a what, what yeah, is it just because of the color? Can you tell? like yeah, like because like, it's like gray. Yeah, it's like grayish, right? It's like more of a. You could tell which one is an artifact, which one isn't, and then if you if you start getting an old border, right? Obviously, you can definitely tell. But like like current day, like I, I feel like artifacts definitely have a look to them. So rabbit I, battery
3: has its own like it's yeah, like a red card. It has like a a gray outside, and then yeah. the red is inside. Yeah. Correct. It's like a very light, it's almost like
1: pink,
0: right? So, so does I, I this think matter it anymore should. though? Like here, so here's my here's my problem. Like I think borders used to signify something, but now there's so many special borders and borderless and like masterpieces. Do borders even signify anything? Like I feel like we're past the point where you can recognize a card by its art or recognize a card type by its border. Because there's just so many special versions now that that trick doesn't really work anymore, at least most of the time. I don't know. To me, that's... That's true. Uh, but that th- I, I, guess I don't get totally like, <laughs> But I, yeah. I look at
1: it more through the lens of, like, having just recently to explain uh, magic cards, right, and, like, how to get into it, right? Like, I think it's easier if, peop- if there's a certain type of border, is there not? Like, oh, enchantments look like this. Artifacts look like this. Planeswalkers look like this, right? I don't know. I mean, I still think there's a merit, I, uh, definitely a merit to uh, having enchantments look a specific way.
0: I would say. I mean, I think that's true. I'm not like against it. I just feel like visual cues have gotten a lot weaker in Magic in the last couple of years because there's so many weird printings that I don't rely on them as much as I used to.
3: Yeah, I, I like the journey to Nyx where like you had enchantment creatures. So they had, like, a special frame so that you knew that, hey, this creature is, like, something special. I mean, it it goes back to, like, Dryad Arbor essentially, right? Where you hide the Dryad Arbor in your lands or whatever, and then people think it's a land or something. And, like, what you're really complaining about is, like, the lack of visual indicator that, like, hey, this thing is whatever. Or even, like, the green reach creatures, right? Like, you don't know they have reach. If you had a visual indicator, it would clear that up. So I imagine the the focus is like if you had disenchant, and there was like a ten ten creature enchantment Mm -hmm. creature that you didn't know you could disenchant it, you would feel bad afterwards. Uh, Yeah, but I don't like we have so many weird card types. Like if you had an enchantment artifact legendary creature (laughs) or something, what what frame do you put on at this point, right? Like it doesn't really like I don't know, right? Our cards are so complicated, or it's like a MDFC or DFC or something like. So I, I see a test point that maybe it doesn't matter anymore, and maybe you recognize it's an enchantment, but it's in Phyrexian, so, like, whatever. Like, you don't even know, right? <laughs> you don't so. even know if you want to kill it anyway, yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I, I see both sides of the argument. I think for ease of use, it should be there, but our cards are so complicated that it might not actually
0: matter in practice. So, news. Uh, we have the return of Command Fest. We haven't had Command Fest since... Pre-pandemic, I want to say maybe there was one during one of the like lulls in the pandemic. But anyway, did, command faster. Didn't we did go? We to have one, one yeah. <laughs> we, we literally went. Go man to one. let go yeah. Yeah, that was, was command it a command fest? fest. Oh, okay. Well. What's
1: a con and what's a command, command fest? fest. No, no,
3: imagine the difference.
1: Magicon I think we need a special
0: border for command <laughs> yeah. fest so I know what kind of event I'm going to, yeah. <laughs> we, You, you, me, and Tomer, we all went to one, right? Oh, that was Richmond. Richmond. Was that a command fest? Oh, that was a command. I think you're right. I think that was a command fest. Well, they're back regardless. We have command fest coming back for uh March of the Machines. They're doing four of them at different places around the country Richmond Virginia Indianapolis Indiana orlando Florida Seattle Washington all the weekend of April 14th through 16th uh you get some sweet promos you hang out you play commander apparently there's going to be like pre-release stuff going on for march of the machines because it's a pre-release uh weekend are you guys going to any of these are you gonna are you gonna hit up a command fest with this run of command fest either one of you
1: uh I probably will be um I I <laughs> I am definitely looking to go back to either Richmond or or Seattle. Most likely Richmond, um, and just because like to run it back. Richmond was fun last time, so I I, I didn't mind it. I, I really liked what, what was happening in Richmond last time, and it's nice to. I I also think I like it because like Richmond is away from like the city life, so I get I get to like <laughs> you get to go out in the country.
0: Yeah, I, I get to actually. Well, in did Richmond you all know? Is it in a legit <laughs> city? Yeah. yeah. I will yeah. say I couldn't I could not get a Uber to the airport at like six AM that just did not exist. There were no Ubers in the city of Richmond, so I had to get a taxi. Is, is it considered a suburb or a city or a rural? I, uh, I want uh, it, to it's like I think it's like the biggest city in Virginia or something. It is like a city, but it's like oh, a million yeah. people or something. Oh, no. A little all over the unsubscribes
3: people. coming from Virginia. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we <laughs> love hey, you, hey, Virginia. I
1: loved Virginia. I loved it. Okay, I'll have you know. Okay, maybe I. It sounds bad, but look, coming from LA, where I don't even know what a tree is. Like, like it's nice to know that I can actually see a tree. I can also actually get take an Uber and have it not cost ninety dollars
3: to go 5 I'm, miles. Wait, is Uber cheaper? Like Yeah. my I did, I didn't know it was actually Have you ever city. Have you have you Ubered in LA? yeah but but like two, i thought that's just surge pricing you're like it's five dollars two minutes later it's like 96 dollars. i'm like what happened here some concert I just ne- I, 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 have, I have never seen
1: la not be in surge prices dude like i am i am talking about like lax right if you go for five like anywhere from lax even if it's five miles from it it's like 70 dollars. so Whoa. it's nice to go uh to like richmond and just get away from it it's a lot more spacious at least i speak from a point of view where it's like San Francisco, LA. It's way more yeah. spacious than those places. So,
0: no, it, it's it nice was really take... cool. Like driving in from the airport, it's like rural almost. You're like driving through like woods and trees, and it doesn't feel. But it's Wait, only yeah. like okay, ten okay. minutes okay. from Crew, the city. I, I get. Like, if Seth says this place is
3: rural, I am very suspicious it's because not... Seth. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Seth lives I, in the I, middle I of nowhere. Rural, and if he's right? <laughs> calling this place rural, <laughs> I. Wow, I,
1: you know what? That would mean Seth definitely knows what he's talking about. That's the set. Yeah, I'm of an expert. R-
0: I'm an expert. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. rural. You got you to you bring your axe out there. You know, you need to chop down some trees. You know, like the city was like super nice though. Like, I uh, had good food. Everything was close, so I might do Richmond again. If I do one, it'll be Richmond. That's the the easiest yeah. one. Plus. I think Tomer said he was doing Richmond, maybe so I don't know, maybe we I not run it back to run it back in Richmond uh, for another did year. Did they
3: say why they're all on the same weekend? Like why don't they just put them so, on different weekends so if you wanted you could like do the whole two more than of four one command fests?
1: I think it's to be so that the entire community from all coasts pretty much get to celebrate March of the Machines or something like that all at once, right? But what I'm what I was thinking is like, I don't know, I mentioned it in our little like group chat thing. It's just like there could have been something cool because they're all happening the same weekend, where like you have one—I don't know—it's it, not CDH, but like it, it's something cool that could sync up all four events that would happen. Like, hey, maybe a commander player from each city get together and get in a pod, right? Like, yeah, like no, I, I,
3: it, it I, should be like Twitch Plays Commander, where like your right. whole con <laughs> controls one deck. And you all play against the other Magic Fests or Command Fests. Right. That would be epic. Prove the best Command Fest. The fact that they they
1: had four of them simultaneously happening and nothing to link them across from each other is kind of a letdown. I know that that they're all put on between, like, four different companies, right? Like, it's, like, different, like, like event companies. But I don't know. It's overarching. (laughs) Like, it's magic. In the year of multiverses and everything, like... How? How do you not? March of the... What is it? Machines? I keep calling it March of the Multiverse, but it is March of the Multiverse. We're, if, if Thalia can ride the Gitrog monster, why the hell can I... Who can we not have? Like, you know what I mean? Like,
0: it would have been... It would have been cool to have some sort of tie-in, I think. But I, I think the idea was also just the pre-release thing. I think they really want to hype up, like, pre-release weekend, have these big events. I don't know if you remember, like... This might even be before my era. I never went to one. But do you remember when they had, like, regional pre-releases? Do either one of you go to those where they would have these, like, just massive pre-release events for when a new set released? So it kind of, I think, is maybe trying to, like, replicate that feel a little bit with some commander thrown in, which I think is a cool idea. The difference is we know the cards now. Yeah, that is so,
1: that is a little different. <laughs> so the appeal and why it was so wild
0: is just because you had no idea what, what was in them, right? Like he's like, "Oh, well, all right, sure, let's see what we get." Uh, all right, I got I got one more thing I got to ask you guys about before we get to fishmail. Uh, Richard, you're our resident mono white expert. So I was playing modern the other day. Well, actually, no, I was writing the <laughs> I was writing the finance update. And I was like, why is Shining Shoal, like, spiking to $20 a copy? I've never <laughs> seen anyone play that card. And then I was playing Modern, and someone revealed the Chancellor of the Annex on me on turn one. I was like, oh, they must be trying to, like, combo or something. And then they followed up with Champion of the Parish. And I was like, what is going on? Uh, so there's this new human human deck, which is playing uh, both of those cards. Shining Shoal, Chancellor of the Annex. And then a bunch of random humans, champion of the pair, like typical human aggro stuff. Essentially, what do you think of this deck, Roy Richard? When I first saw it, it just looked like the weirdest aggro <laughs> deck I've ever seen. Is there okay. any chance this deck is actually legit? Does this make okay, sense? This is, this Should is, this you is be playing of, Chancellor? This is kind of funny. So, so shiny <laughs> shoal is like a, um,
3: it's kind of like a deflecting palm or something, right? It's like white, white yeah. X. You remove a white card with converted mana cost X from the game rather than paying X. And then the next X damage a source would deal to you. Uh, you deal to target creature player instead. And they have Chancellor of the Annex, which is a 7-drop, which uh, taxes one mana, uh, one on the next play if you reveal it at the beginning of the game. And Amaria's Call, everyone's favorite MDFC, <laughs> uh, which is also a 7-drop. So I guess you shiny Shoal, like a, a Murktide or something <laughs> like someone smacks you with a Murktide, you shiny Shoal it and Get you em. finish them off. Like what
1: else? What else? Yeah. Would this be for? I'm, Mono that's... white just went through hell and
3: back for a bolt. <laughs> it's like actually not that bad, right? Because solitude is also yeah. five mana. So so you have basically two mana Burn spell that no one sees coming. That actually was oh, never a it. Large clip of damage. Um, I. Now that the deck is out, though, I think people would know what's up, and then you're totally screwed, right? Because it's so easy to play around, but if people didn't know what's up, I think this was hilarious.
0: A two-mana burn spell for, like, eight, seven? Yeah, (laughs) considering that, like, the top decks, you have Murktide, which is a huge creature. Then you have Creativity decks that are putting Archon into play, which is another huge creature. And then you have Hammer Time, which is making 11-11s with Colossus Hammer or whatever it kind of actually makes sense. The idea of like, I'm just going to chip in with my humans, get in some damage. And then once you attack me, I'm going to pitch this Chancellor of the Annex or whatever. Amiri is called a Shining Shoal and just kill you. It kind of... Oddly, in such a weird way actually lines up with the meta although i think you're right like once people expect shining shoulder playing around it it just gets bad right kind of like deflecting palm like once if, if everyone's playing Deflecting palm it gets so much worse because people actually play around it but if and no one expects it it's like absurd because you just get people so good i'm just but i'm
1: curious though at the same time how do you play around it if you're an aggro deck like
0: efficiently I guess that's like, like. Well, are you gonna play your Murtagh and not attack? Are you gonna play Archangel yeah, 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 like, and not yeah. attack? Like hey, I guess you, you, you <laughs> hit yeah. lead,
3: like the same way you play around deflecting palm, right? Trust me, as a time Goy player, I played around <laughs> deflecting palm. You chip in with like your uh, your Dragon Rage channel or stuff if you suspect, right? Or you have the mana to counter the the shining shoulder. You don't tap out and just like run into it because they're mono white. They have no reach, right? Like you you know it's coming. Um like hammer time is hilarious. Like I don't know how hammer time would play around it, but like you just yeah. stop their combo, right? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I maybe it's still good even if you can play around it. I don't know. Like two mana, seven damage in mono white, like like backed up by Thalia and crap, right? Like, I yeah. don't know, right? But would but you're also playing you play this, like act? I don't know, Kythian. Like is this is this good enough? <laughs> is this really going to get there? Like I'm not sure about the rest of the shell.
0: Like is this is this actually going to get there? <laughs> Yeah, it does. It does kind of look like a pioneer deck. A lot of it with the, like oh, Dauntless Bodyguard or Fiends Informant, Luminarch is Pirate, And then you just have these like ridiculous cards. I don't know. I might have to give the deck a shot. Like the idea is intriguing to me. We'll see if it has any staying power. It's a pretty new thing. It has put up like some decent finishes on Magic Online in like oh, preliminaries or leagues over the past couple of weeks. But
3: so I'm I'm looking yeah. at the players. So there there are two players that just always play this deck: God's Shadow and hank the obese and they do very well this deck's been around for a while apparently and they keep playing it and it keeps winning so
0: maybe it actually is legit here oh <laughs> uh, anyway i think those are all of our topics for today but that means it's time for fish mail richard take it away all right if you have questions send them on twitter to at
3: goldfish with the hashtag #mgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air Uh, Okay, let's talk about this one. Ron Belofsky, there's always talk about the validity or value of the reserve list. Question is, what would practically happen if they abolished the reserve list? Would the game struggle to survive or thrive? I had a shower thought this weekend, guys. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, there's no point in buying cards anymore because they keep making secret layers (laughs) to, like, make a newer version of my card, invalidating my existing card, or they keep power creeping my card. So the the crux of that problem is my cards don't maintain their value. What if we made a list (laughs) that somehow guaranteed (laughs) to keep the value of my cards? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Right? Like, the original creation of the reserve list was because they they made Chronicles, I think. uh, And they they basically tanked the value of cards and people were scared. Isn't that Mm -hmm. what's happening today where... Why buy Ragavon for, like, I don't know, $100? Because you know it's being reprinted uh, down into nothing. Uh, Or they're going to make a new... Let's say you bought Phyrexian Elish Norn, and then they reprinted it in, like, a normal set, and, like, now yours is worth a lot less. Reserve List was supposed to save that? Uh, Maybe it didn't do its job, but is that not a problem? And if we just remove the Reserve List, would that cause any issue with older cards, because it's not increasing supply of older
0: cards. Uh, The original cards, right? Just reprints. So, I
3: don't know. What do you guys think?
0: I could... I could almost get behind a reserve list for versions. Like, it's weird to me that you're, like, special promo... Like, Fraxian Norn is probably the biggest example. It's really weird to me that there was a super special, like, judge promo, Fraxian Elishnorn. And then, like, a few years later, they were just like, eh, secret layer drop. Everyone can get one for 30 bucks <laughs> or whatever, along with a bunch of other cards. I could see that. I still... <sighs> I see what you're going for. And I think you are right. People... Players want their cards to be cheap when they're buying them but then expensive when they're selling them and you just can't have it both ways. So I think there is I don't know. I think there is a concern about about cards dropping too much because it does like do what is happening to you. It just like takes away people's confidence for buying cards at all, which isn't a positive thing. But at the same time you got to weigh that against cards just being too expensive, which also can push people away from the game. So I think there's got to be like some sort of middle ground there. And I don't think adding to the reserve list is a solution. As far as older cards, prices would drop. Like your revised dual lands are gonna get meaningfully cheaper, I think. Alpha, beta, like Legends, Antiquities, those sets, it's not gonna do anything. Those aren't even really game pieces anymore. They're just kind of collectibles and printing new versions are not gonna have any impact. But for like random Gaius Cradle, some random Herbs of Saga card, that's expensive primarily because it's a game piece, that's going to drop a lot in price, but is that, like, a negative? I, I see it as a positive, I think, overall. But maybe in this current climate where people are already feeling like you are, Richard, like, why would I buy cards? Because I'm just going to lose value on them. Maybe it would be too risky to take away the reserve list. What do you think, Grim? Wait, what? I still don't understand what's wrong
1: with losing the reserve list. I guess, like, I... I How is that bad that they're like, what is the risk of losing that?
0: So I I guess the risk is you have a Richard who has a bunch of uh, dual lands from revised and he's already feeling like he's already feeling like I don't really want to buy magic cards because they're just going to go down in value and then I'm going to lose a bunch of money on them. And then if you get rid of the reserve list, all of a sudden his dual lands are worth a lot less too, and he's just like, "Screw this game! I'm gonna go play." Snap. Well, okay, Let, let's let's be honest here. Well, you made it sound almost so realistic. Just for the record, yeah. I don't like the reserve
3: list.
2: <laughs> why?
1: Why? I, I don't know. I guess like, it, wouldn't wouldn't you want people to play the game? Like, if if why are we worried about someone that isn't trying to play the game?
3: Well, I, I think so. I think the 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 issue would be something like, okay, uh, the new set collector boosters, Lord of the Rings, right. whatever, right? Sure. It's like five hundred dollars for a box or something, right? Okay. If you don't have any confidence in the cards maintaining value, would you sure drop five hundred dollars for this box?
1: I mean, do um, you like playing
3: the game, right? Like, like, that's, but do you that's like it for five hundred dollars? Like, there, there, there is I some mean, no. implicit thing with magic players where it used to be that that $500 would maintain some amount of value. Right. And there was this notion of like modern staples or legacy staples, uh, at, which is no longer true due to like modern horizons and stuff like that. But like, if you bought sure. like a legacy deck for like $2,000, uh, in the past, you were assured that it would roughly maintain its price if not go up and you could always keep playing it. Um, so the, the reserve list was supposed to tackle that price issue, um, but I guess, you know, it caused I'm... other problems, obviously, right? It, it did it too well. So what do we do about new cards? Do we need something to protect their price? Like like Wizards kind of did it with the serialized cards. Like no one's complaining about the serialized cards. Like, right? The serialized cards have a number on them and they effectively are reserved list, right? Because you're guaranteed there's only 500 worm coils or whatever and there, there's no more, but... You know, nothing stops them from making another serialized worm coil of like a mm-hmm. different art, right? But Sure. But, yeah, but, there,
0: but like But there is cheaper that, like,
3: worm coils, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah. Also that's why yeah, there sets, are there are cheap. thing of like just specific printings can be reserved list and not like the actual game piece. So you always have cheap game pieces available, but not any promo version available.
1: Right. And that's where the like so example that was precisely one of the things I was thinking of is just like the serialized cards. Um, that, that's like a promo that's allowing you to keep it like rare. Like, sure. They, they, we don't necessarily need, I don't know. I just feel like in the current year, do we need to find another way to have a reserve list in a game, in this game? I just, (laughs) like, I'm like, I don't think that it, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter because I don't think we should. And because B, I don't think I like, I guess this is speaking obviously from my perspective, but I'm not buying this game because I'm expecting value back from any of the cards. I've accepted a long time ago. My Magic collection will go up and down and eventually become moot at the rate that things are getting reprinted or power crept out. But that's why, like, yeah, again, I'm, I, I just feel like if I'm trying to buy cardboard stocks, you know what I mean? I, I'm
0: already <laughs> at a loss. I'm glad you mentioned the power creep because I think that's actually like probably a bigger issue with why people's cards are like or people aren't feeling confident buying cards because a few years ago you could feel pretty good about like i'm gonna like invest a thousand dollars in a modern deck and this deck's gonna last me like five years or something maybe even 10 years like a long i should be able to play this for a long time and it's gonna be totally worth it but now you're always like kind of got this fear of, like, oh, they could just, like, totally power uh, power creep and make me spend hundreds of dollars to get Raghavans and Urza Sagas and Evoke Elementals. So I think that would be a, a better solution to giving people confidence in buying cards is, like, slow down with the rate of power creep so your cards that you do have are actually relevant for longer rather than, like, keeping them from reprinting cards.
3: Yeah. So Wizards has I, done a good job of... I don't know, good job. Okay, so they have maintained price... <laughs> Through reprints, right? So when they drop Raghavan, they drop it at like mythic rare in a uh you know a, a higher priced product. So it basically maintains its price. Uh or at least drops temporarily and then comes back up. But like Seth said, the biggest fear is actually it getting power crept out of the format and therefore tanking its price. Uh but back to the original question. Okay, so Underground C is like seven, eight hundred dollars today. Let's say Wizards abolished the reserve list, okay, and They effectively put the price of new underground seas at a hundred dollars. Maybe it's like a secret lair pack or something. What do you think
0: happens to the revised underground sea? Ooh, so I I think it loses. I think it still commands like a a pretty big premium. Like maybe it's, I don't know, three hundred dollars or something like a couple of times the price of the cheapest version. But I do think it would drop a lot from where it is now i think alpha and beta literally no change like if anything they might go up in value as new players like see it and learn about it and then like some of them have a lot of money in their whales and they go out and buy the like super blinged out version to put in their modern deck or whatever uh which is the alpha version or beta version but i think the revised version would would go down a bit but like uh, i don't know i think it's worth it like yes it's like it's painful for people who own a bunch of those cards i get it like and i do feel bad for those people but i think it's one of the greater good things where in theory like having these cards be cheaper brings more people into the game and like overall even if you're someone who has a bunch of those cards that drop in value you would benefit by being able to play more you could actually play legacy with people or maybe your other cards go up in value because now people are putting together legacy decks because they can actually access the format. So. I think it would even out in the end, and it wouldn't be as harmful to people who own those cards as maybe you think. All right, I'm, I'm going to snap you back to reality here, 30th <laughs> Anniversary Edition.
3: So if Wizards ever <laughs> decides to abolish the reserve list, do not believe for a second they'll sell you an underground sea for $10, $5, even $100. <laughs> I was just That was just a thought experiment. It will be $700. Like, they they will manipulate, it'll be, like, a super-duper, mega-mythic, once-in-the-case-per-continent-type product. (laughs) And it will end up at, like, $700 to maintain the price. Like, when they printed their proxies, 30th anniversary, they made sure to keep the price um, equal to the existing collector's edition, right? Uh, Roughly. So... If they, for every whatever reason, give you an underground C, it will be like seven hundred dollars. Maybe they'll give you like a five percent discount. Maybe it'll be like six hundred dollars or something, right? But it will it will not be like, oh, in your next standard set, you could open an underground C as your rare. Like no, right? It's, it's it's gonna be some like super exclusive secret layer.
0: And that's why they might actually do it, I think. Like, that's a way that right now they're looking and like, wow, look at all these people making $700 a copy selling underground seas. Why is that not us? Why is that $700 not going into our pockets? So, I think that's – but you are right. Like – People are probably overly optimistic about how big of an impact it would have because Wizards is not going to just like, oh, here's four dollar boosters with Power Nine in it or something. (laughs) Like they have shown very clearly that that's not uh, in the cards at this point. Even though that would be so sweet for for players, but I don't think it's going to happen. All right, so sweet. Thank
3: you for that thought provoking fish mail. If you have further questions, send them to Goldfish with the hashtag #mgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions on air. And
0: I believe that brings us to the end of episode 423 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard Graham, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to Joe for joining us. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show and of course to everyone for listening. And we will be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a great week everyone, and this is the crew signing out.